what's going on? My name is Kevin Deers. Once again, this is The Defiant Ones. Welcome back to uh, the Defy Patreon page. And this is the Defy Patreon page exclusive podcast uh, featuring wrestlers and people behind the scenes of The Defiance. And uh, we got a really cool episode this week. But first, I wanted to talk a little bit about Defy Wild Ones presented by 605 coming up the 30th of April. This coming Saturday, if you're watching this uh, on Wednesday when it's released, this is going to be a huge card. It is jam-packed. It is fucking sold out, 100% sold out. They're hanging from the rafters brother it is going to be insane let's go through the card real quick so we got a defy tag team championship match between the champions bollywood boys and the challengers guillermo rosas and cody chun we have the pcw ultra women's championship with the uh, champion danica is going to be taking on the challenger kikio Miggs is going to be making his Washington Hall debut as a wrestler with Ethan HD in his corner against El Phantasmo, the dastardly man who beat Miggs down a few months back, and hopefully Miggs will uh, will get his revenge. We've got Brody King versus Big Demo in what is surely going to be a a ring testing match we we will see if if the ring will hold up against these two hosses in what is going to be a uh i believe as as the new day calls it uh big meaty men slapping meat shaft is going to be taking on timothy thatcher which is going to be a banger of a match and might just steal the show john moxley makes his defy return to face Tom Lawler, and in a trios match, Christopher Daniels and Midnight Heat are going to be taking on Swerve, Nick Wayne, and Adam Brooks. I'd say get your tickets now, but it's fucking sold out, so this is going to be an insane show, and Defiance, I will see you there. Without any further ado, though, I'm going to jump right into it, man. This is my interview with a man who has, who has wrestled for Defy, and uh, I'm so stoked to see him in the future wrestle back at Defy. His name is Jonah. Here it is, the Defiant Ones with Jonah. Welcome to the Defiant Ones. Right now, I'm talking with a guy who is from Australia, but he's here in the States, I believe. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, in yep. Orlando. That's awesome. Jonah, uh, we saw him recently at a Defy show. He made his debut with us here in Seattle. Uh, mm-hmm. First off, so we get the 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 scene, uh, the video. You get some cool wrestling stuff behind you. You got a Terry Funk portrait. I do. And what yes. are these toys behind you? Are those wrestling toys? or are they, they... Are, they? You can't really see in the light so well, but uh, I have a wrestling figure collection. I, I have more back home in Australia. I'm a big time wrestling fan since i was a kid so th- this room which is like my office and games room is yeah displayed with a lot of wrestling so yeah i have funk here this this picture is actually andre the giant wrestling the shark from jaws um i have dusty Rhodes in the background i have my nxt title that i won yeah that's an actual mask from vader that you can see right near my head oh my god so i have some cool stuff that's amazing okay so uh do you, since you're an impact, do you ever talk wrestling figures with Cardona and Matt and, and uh, Brian Myers? I have. Yeah. They're, they're even more in the deep end, much more oh, than yeah. I am. You I know? listen to their podcast. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm a specific, I collect certain wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like Cardona speaking to him, I know he's got maybe a million dollars worth of wrestling figures at his house. Like he has everything he can get his hands on so Some i'm a little bit prototypes a, he buys or like 
$30,000 or something like that. It's crazy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. He has, he has a crazy collection where, yeah, I have certain people. Mine's more eclectic. Like I have a good dusty Rhodes wrestling figure collection. Okay. Abdullah, the butcher, nice. uh, certain all Japan and new Japan wrestlers. Okay. Uh, but a bit, a bit more uh, its own thing. So you, you had a figure, right? I do. Yeah. It's yeah, actually right. displayed up there as well. So I was lucky enough that Mattel still released that it was yeah. at the time I was getting released, um, but they still made it. And I've been lucky enough that a lot of people have got it and I've been signing it a lot and I actually do have a second wrestling action figure coming out later this year through a company called junkyard dog. So cool. I don't know if you're familiar with like the, new japan poppy figures from oh, the yeah. 70s yep like the yeah, andre the giant one yeah 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 so i'm having my own version of that type of wrestling figure that'll come out later this year that's great man that's awesome yeah. and, and you know what the fact that you know you were uh you were getting released and the figure was about to be released that's kind of got to make it kind of rare i think yeah i think so yeah so one it's like part of the elite series which is already makes it its own sort Top of tier. rare thing yeah yeah so and now that I have been released, who knows if I'll ever have a WWE figure again. So uh, I know a lot of collectors were big on getting it. So which is awesome. which is a good thing. OK, so what was your first wrestling figure you remember getting as a kid? For me, I, I remember having a Macho Man LG, LJN figure, yep. like the big mm-hmm. rubber ones where it's like this. It's got the double biceps. I remember having that as a real little kid. Um, and then as I got a little bit older, not too much older, uh, I started getting the Hasbros. So mm-hmm. I had Doink and Undertaker, Yokozuna. I remember distinctively for some reason having Ludwig Borger. He was okay. one of my yeah. favorite figures I had, even though I wasn't a fan of him. Sure. I just distinctively remember having him. I had, I didn't have that many figures, but I had a, a honky tonk man, a ah. Hasbro. That's a good one. It's a good figure. Um, but did you ever? So I I did the thing when I didn't have that many wrestlers, but I was obsessed with wrestling. So I took like my He Man figures and made them wrestlers and stuff. You know, hundred uh, percent. I made. I had uh, my own little E Feds happening as a little kid. And I didn't even yep. know what the hell that was, but you know, I'd mix in the GI Joes. Sometimes I remember I had a Spider Man figure as a kid. Um, some Toxic Crusader figures. Yep. I'd mix them all together. I recently w- went to my mom's house and uh, there was a there was like a package of my old stuff and I found out that I guess in junior high or high school I made my hardcore Holly an M M&M and M figure. I turned <laughs> him into. I, I basically just I didn't do anything other than put a D twelve tattoo on his arm. And so that's my, amazing. Yeah, so M and M was like intercontinental <laughs> champion, I guess. So I don't know. Marshall Holly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> We're getting super nerdy here today, but uh, it's fun, man. So uh, I'll start things off by asking you, dude, uh, can you pick a scar on your body? Show us if you can, or at least tell us the story of how you got the scar. Okay. I mean, uh, I have quite a few from wrestling, okay. uh, but here's one that's on my left elbow here. You can see that little divot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's from a table bump I took in Australia uh, in, I want to say... 2014 okay and a guy did the spear through the ropes a la edge and mick foley or biggie and i went through a table and as i went through the table it just sliced up sliced my elbow so that's a little wrestling scar tiny one but it's one that is noticeable on my body i guess did you get out of were you out of commission for a little while because of that 
Uh, not really. I think from memory, I wrestled the next day. That sounds about right. Sounds about Put right. the tape on it, tape it up, ready Sa- to go. Sabu style, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've done that a few times, actually. He would do it mid-match, though. He'd just be like, all right, give me the tape. And then he would just like go back to wrestling, you know? Yeah, they're crazy men. I remember Mick Foley doing the same thing from memory, like banging his knee back into, yep. you know, join and then oh, God. taping it up. Brutal. Uh, okay, so... Um, I we re, I recently interviewed another guy who who's making his who uh, is wrestling for Defy a couple shows. Uh, Adam Brooks from from Australia. Yes, so, there you go. You ever Fellow get to Australian. wrestle him in Australia? Uh, I have. Yeah. I, uh, funnily enough, I've wrestled Adam Brooks all around the world. Oh, cool! So I've wrestled him in multiple cities in Australia, but we've also wrestled each other in England, the USA, and Italy of all places. Oh, nice. Awesome, dude. <laughs> so quite a history there with me and old mate Adam Brooks. World travelers you guys are. That's awesome. Yes. Yes. I think at the time I was uh, breaking out on the indie scene about to get signed with WWE, mm-hmm. he had just started breaking out on the indie scene as well. So we just happened to be in the same place at the same time. Yeah. He was talking about how um, Buddy Matthews was like a step above the other trainers in Australia. How like he was like, I have to start training with Buddy because he's He's on this new trajectory. And he, so, yeah, it was it's cool. Cool to learn yeah. about some some of your scene in Australia, man. Yeah, I feel like the Australian wrestling scene, like I, I'm such a huge wrestling nerd. So I've mm-hmm. tried to study as much of wrestling my whole life from all facets, you know, and from all around the world. Yeah. And uh, the Australian wrestling scene is one that sort of gets not slept on, but people forget about how rich its wrestling history is and how at one point, the 60s, 70s, early 80s, it was on television. Yeah. And it was a place where a lot of guys would go and make a bunch of money. Well, obviously, once Australia lost the television deal, it all sort of fizzled out a little bit. And it's starting to get back up there on an indie level scene. So, okay, I have one specific question for you then, uh, being yep. the Australian wrestling freak that you are. Did you see the Ric Flair Hulk Hogan match? No, well, <laughs> I wanted to, but I, from memory, I don't remember what I was doing, but I couldn't go for some reason. Yeah. But I remember watching it back. I think they played it on like the local television, like as a replay. And I remember watching it back and seeing all the blood. Yeah. It was like a bloodbath, bro. <clears throat> yeah. I, I interviewed um, uh, Matt Cross and he was talking about what a mind blowing experience that was going on that tour and just like broing down with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I know I know one of the local companies that uh used the ring for that match. Yeah. Like they hired the ring to be able to use it. The canvas was never the same again. No. Like there is the blood stains are still on there, and I don't think they even use it because it's just too much blood stains on there. And for some reason, Hulk Hogan's blood <laughs> after it stained the canvas, usually it goes like a deep red. For some reason, the stains were a bright pink. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what that's from, but that's what, that's what it ended up being. Interesting. Uh, it's that yeah. Kool-Aid he was drinking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you recently made your de- uh, Defy debut. So um, tell me a little bit about, like, what were your expectations coming into Defy? You know, I mean, this was your debut. Did, what did you expect? And um, did it meet your ex- expectations? Yeah, 100%. You know, I had heard a lot about Defy from other people, guys that had worked there before, like friends and stuff like that. And uh, I was lucky enough. I think it would have been maybe a month and a half or two months prior to my Defy debut. 
I actually wrestled in Washington Hall for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah. They, they ran a show there. So I sort of got a feel for what it was like wrestling in that venue, which is a very special venue. Yeah. Um, and then once I did the Defy show, it, it was just amplified. Like the Defy fans are very passionate and it makes for a great show. Like I think if they can stay running that venue, that it makes it something special, sort of like um, when I used to do Reseda for PWG. Oh, yeah. It was just that certain feel. I think it's it's got it's got a little bit more ventilation though. It's it's, it's <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. That place, I'd I'd walk in and be instantly sweating in Reseda. I tell people that um, you know are are new to Washington Hall. It's it's got um, historical value there. That that um, Jimi Hendrix played that. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, see, I never knew that. That's incredible. Yeah. So. Yeah. I I love um, those sort of halls like that. You know, I've done a few in my wrestling time touring with like NXT and even, mm-hmm. even back home in Australia, there's some of those venues that have such like rich, rich history with not only wrestling, but like other people that have been there and toured yeah. there. And it's surprising, but those halls are always the best for wrestling. I think. Definitely. What are the worst? If I have to be honest, I think uh, some of the worst venues I've wrestled in are like the open box at ball, sort of like mm. not, not stadium, but like it's a court. Yep. And the the noise just travels outwards and it doesn't have the same feel. Like the lighting doesn't do much for it. Like yeah, it's, it's just, just a like big bright, open, bright yeah, it's just a big, big yeah. open sports complex. I think those ones are probably the worst uh, that, or I've wrestled in a few roller skating rinks that weren't, <laughs> weren't the best. It's, it, it's, it's not the best, but it also has a certain indie charm to it. An indie riffic charm to it. You're yes. Like, okay. There's some, there's some great indie riffic, uh, <laughs> venues that i've wrestled in like like said uh there was a certain roller skating rink in my hometown in adelaide yep. that actually was really good it just had a great feel to it and like uh backstage there was just roller skates everywhere and stuff like that so but it was actually yeah had a great feel to it and the crowd was packed in and it, it felt great little kids are running around with hot dogs and Rey mysterio masks <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's true <laughs> So uh, right on, man. Well, um, just to get this out of the way, do you think uh, we will be able to see you at Defy any time in the future? Yeah, I hope so. You know, from my uh, first experience, obviously, I wrestled Scharf. Yeah, uh, I think he's one of the the big dogs in Defy, and I, oh, I yeah. put him under. So I think people want to see me come back, whether it's wrestling him again or someone else new. I'd like to come back. And from speaking to the Defy management, I think it'll be something when schedules allow for it yeah. that i will be back well you're a busy guy so yes. um, we'll definitely look forward to seeing you and just wanted to get people acquainted with you so um let's let's go back a little bit in and and so you're you're from australia right that's where you were born yes born in australia adelaide south australia so what was your first memory of wrestling like when did it come into your life even just like on the periphery as a kid like yeah was the first time I, you interacted with it it's funny because I've told this story a few times on mm-hmm. on podcasts and uh, when I was in the WWE as well as actually my earliest memory of life is watching awesome. professional wrestling. So my uncle was a huge wrestling fan and he happened to live with me and my mother at the time. Mm-hmm. And my earliest memory of life is sitting down on the, the floor in our lounge room watching WrestleMania 2 the Hogan Bundy cage. That's one match. of the first things I remember too, was, was the, was the, uh, the uh, battle Royal with all the football players. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The battle Royals with the, the fridge was in there. Yep. Andre was in his yellow tights. Yep. 
Um, but yeah, for some reason, I don't know if it was because it was a cage match or because it was Hogan and Bundy uh-huh. being two big, you know, uh-huh. big guys that just you can't look away from. But something about that match is what I can remember earliest in my life. So uh, since then, as a kid, I would watch wrestling every week because my uncle was a big fan. He would always yeah. go down to the local blockbuster or video store and hire whatever videos were out and I'd watch it every weekend. And then as I sort of, as he moved out of the Mm -hmm. family house and I grew up, I still just continued to keep watching. Were you a pretty, were you a pretty big kid? Like, were you like taller and and wider than all the other kids? Uh, Not to begin with. I think when I became a teenager is when I started having my growth spurts. So Mm. as, as a, like a little kid, like say until I was about 10, I was sort of average kid um but then when i was around 13 i started filling out more and that's when i obviously being a fan of pro wrestling that's when i started picking up my friends and (laughs) trying wrestling moves on them as a teenager so uh in australia did you guys get like during the monday night wars did you get the nitro and the and raw yeah we did so uh that heavily influenced me as a kid as well. Like yeah. being able to watch raw and both nitro. Yeah. Uh, I would always watch, try and watch. I was a big WWF guy yeah. as well as WCW, but mainly WWF. So I'd try and watch raw. And at the same time, my uncle would tape me nitro. Okay. So then, nice. yeah. so then I'd get the video from him later in the week and watch nitro. Um, so great times as a wrestling fan, being able to see both. I don't want to put myself out there for, you know, legal troubles or anything, but my friend had a black box. And so we would go over to his house and watch every, it it was almost like clockwork because we could watch ECW, WWF, WCW pay-per-views. And, uh, you know, it was just like our, literally his dad's pizza bill was so much because we would get pizza (laughs) like every Sunday because we would be watching all those pay-per-views and it was a good time. The best. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Getting for some reason, like even though uh, I was a big WWF fan, they didn't have pay per views of WWF until the year 2000 in Australia. Okay, so as a kid, 98, 97, 99 would order the WCW pay per views, but the more bigger ones throughout the year, like uh, Slambury and Starcade, mm-hmm. Halloween Havoc. Um, but when I couldn't, like if my dad couldn't afford it or we couldn't get it. I remember you could watch the channel and you'd still hear what was happening, but it'd it's be all scrambled. I used to so, do that too. So I would listen to the pay-per-views and be like, oh, okay, this is happening. <laughs> yeah, it's it was kind of like listening to like a watch-long podcast. It was, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like I could still picture and envision what's happening and just have Tony Schiavone and Bobby the Brain call it. Like it, it was good enough, I guess. Totally. I remember that. Uh, I watched WrestleMania 12 that way and Shawn Michaels was my guy. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I was like, I a whole hour of I listening up when he won, but I didn't even <laughs> see the match, you know, <laughs> yeah, I just knew he, the boyhood dream. Oh, uh, incredible. That's, that's another thing. I remember the, the boyhood dream was a big thing that like impacted me as a young kid. Like I remember that all like distinctively him winning the belt on his yeah. knees, holding that belt, like all years later, that's something that still affected me. I mean, that's got to be a weird full circle moment when you when he's your teacher. Yeah, it was it was very strange. Like uh, when I first met Sean, obviously, it's, you know, he's he's HBK, his Mr. WrestleMania it was a bit like not not that he's not an approachable guy, but I just didn't know what to say or what to do. And then once he became my coach, those walls sort of come get, come down, you spend more time together. 
you end up speaking to each other and then yeah it, it was incredible to get to pick his brain on wrestling but also just to get to know him as a human being as well yeah well i mean just because we're on this subject obviously we'll come back to you know your beginning and everything but when you were in that environment who did you bro down the, the best who did you have like the closest uh relationship where there as like as far as like a teacher student kind of relationship uh, I think for me, and it's still now, like we still text now and uh, catch up every now and again, and he's doing great things. It's probably Scotty Tuhati. Yeah. He was someone that was like, I didn't expect to be one of my coaches or <laughs> mm-hmm. to learn from, but uh, he was such a good teacher. And at the same time, a good human being who actually invested in everyone and wanted to make sure everyone did really well. Um, but apart from him, it probably would be Shawn Michaels because I spent so much time in class with him. It's probably one of my biggest flexes I can say to wrestling fans and other people is that I have his number and I can text him and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> so Scotty Tuhati's back wrestling. I saw he wrestled Joey yeah. Janela in GCW. You think uh, that'd be a dream match for you and Scotty Tuhati to, to get in the ring together? I, I hope so. Like, that'd be cool. I was very lucky enough on the local coconut shows that uh, NXT would do, which is the local Florida loop. Yep. Yep. Uh, we did a Halloween show and we did a halloween battle royal where you dress up as whatever you want you know some people dress up as wrestlers some people would dress up as halloween characters uh-huh. i decided to dress up as rikishi so i was okay. reed kishi for the night bronson yeah. reed yeah and uh right towards the end when it's me and uh one other guy in the ring who was a heel i was a big baby face the lights go out lights come back on and scotty jahadi's in the ring amazing so i yeah i eliminate the dance eliminate the heel and then we did the dance to end the night yes <laughs> that's awesome dude that's awesome yeah it was real fun times i don't know if you could see this but uh it has nothing to do with scotty jahadi but you have you're a wrestling uh figure fan so do you, yes. Can you see this? My Al Snow Bendem? I can, yeah. I like the Bendems as well. <laughs> I saw I saw recently that Cardona and uh, Brian Myers have their own Bendem. Yeah. They released some. See, here's the thing. Yeah, Once I, those that, guys... that might be something. I might have to get in contact with them and be like, hey, we need a Jonah Bendem. <laughs> I think so. They made a Danhausen Bendem. Oh, did they? Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's cool. So... He's such a... Good character that you could make him into any sort of figure. I think Danhausen. He has that distinctive thing about him. They call it toyetic. Toyetic. Oh, there you go. Toyetic. That's, that's I yeah. see. I listen to the podcast. I, I know, <laughs> I'm a nerd like that. So okay. So going back to you know you growing up and being a big wrestling fan, how nerdy did it go? Like, did you get? Because like I used to do eFed. I used to yeah. like do eFed shit. I used to do backyard wrestling. I collected figures. Like what? Did yep. you do all that stuff or? Yeah, 100%. I was a huge, huge wrestling nerd. Uh, obviously, as a kid, huge wrestling fan. Yeah. And then I think my my nerdum or that sort of side of me came out as teenage years when I discovered not only independent wrestling, but Japanese wrestling as well. Mm. And then I would hunt down as much stuff as I could find. I did tape trading, e-feds, backyard wrestling. Uh, I was on forums and stuff trying to find, you know, those days. I used to get like little clips or matches that were only like 30 megabytes and terrible quality, yeah. but it was something that I'd never seen before. So I wanted to see it. Yeah. And then uh, obviously again, trying not to get in trouble at all, but that's when torrents became a thing when oh, I was yeah. later in my teenage years. And I started getting even more things and acquiring things to a hard drive that I still have. Okay. So um, 
I guess my question for you would be being that you were like very obsessed with Japanese wrestling and Australia is closer to Japan, obviously, than we are. Did you ever get to make a trip as a fan to Japan to watch wrestling? I did. Yeah. So I went to Japan just on a holiday in 2010, I believe. Cool. And uh, I went to a Dragon Gate show and a New Japan show. Yeah. Um, and both were incredible. I tried to go to a Noah show as well, uh, but it just didn't link up at time. And then, yeah, three years later after that, I actually got my first contract with Pro Wrestling Noah. So it was a strange thing. And now I'm working with New Japan. And eventually when, yeah. you know, the borders open and stuff, I'll be back in Japan for New Japan. So strange, strange when those things come full circle, like you said. That's awesome. man. that's that's the that's the boyhood dream. It is hundred <laughs> percent nerds dream. Yeah. The teenage um, nerd dream. Yeah. Is what I'll get. Okay. So uh, what was your backyard wrestling name? So funnily enough, my backyard wrestling name was J rock. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then when, when I actually trained and debuted as a pro wrestler, I was J rock that then turned into Jonah rock. So uh, I sort of kept that name and moniker since my backyard wrestling days. Have you ever watched the show uh, Trailer Park Boys? I have not a whole lot of it, but I know what it is. J Rock is a character. He's like the white rapper, like okay. in, the, in the trailer park. Uh, there like there a, is quite a good rapper called J Rock now as oh, well. Really? He's like okay. he's with uh, Kendrick uh, Kendrick oh, Lamar's rap right. group. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he's really good as well. Nice. Okay, so so when did you actually like get the idea that you would pursue being a wrestler? Was it were uh, you a teenager? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was a teenager and I went, I discovered local independent wrestling. So in 2002, I discovered ring of honor and Japanese cool. wrestling, like yeah. when ring of honor was first popping off. Yeah. And then I didn't realize that there was actually independent wrestling in Australia. Yeah. And somehow one of my friends in high school got a flyer for this local wrestling show. And I was like, Oh my God, this must be like ring of honor or whatever that sure. is. So we went and I remember straight away being like, I want to do what these guys are doing. Um, so I asked my mom at the time if I could go and train. I would have been 15. And yeah. she said, no way. <laughs> she, she said, you have to finish high school first. And then you can, if you still want to be a wrestler, then you can do it. Yeah. So I remember uh, finishing high school at 18. And then as soon as I finished, I went to the training school and started training. Nice. What's the training school? Uh, it was the pro wrestling dojo, which is now the wrestle rampage dojo. So I was trained by a wrestler called Hartley Jackson, who's mm -hmm. uh, in Japan now. He actually was a WWE coach for about a year and a half as well at the Performance Center. Very cool. Um, but yeah, he got trained by Antonio Inoki from wow. New Japan. So he brought all of his students up that same way. You know, lots of squats, lots of push-ups, getting beat up a lot. So I came up in that Japanese style, which then luckily helped me out when I went to the Noah dojo and had to do it as well. So yeah, I've always had that sort of wrestling training and that's my style of wrestling in me. Okay. So uh, what was your first memory of like, um, you know, your first match? What was that like? Was that, uh, did it go, did it go okay? Was it, was it shitty? It's shitty. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it went okay. Like everything went to plan that I thought would happen my debut match was in a tag match. Yeah. Uh, so what had happened is it was a two tag teams wrestling each other that were actually tag teams that wrestled a few shows, young guys like myself, but one of them got injured. So then they still wanted to 
booked that tag match. So I just filled in for the guy that was injured. Okay. Um, and yeah, I remember just trying to get through the match. Basically. I remember going through the curtains and it felt like I was done in like a minute, even though it was a 10, 12 minute tag tag match. Yeah. It felt like it was in fast forward. Um, and yeah, what I've, I'd recently, so the footage I'd never seen until maybe two years ago, someone had found the tape, uploaded it. And yeah, it was, <laughs> I was very, you could see, I was very nervous and not just, you know, focused on doing whatever my moves were not really reacting to the crowd. Nothing. Man, that's funny. It's probably one of those things you're like, I'm thankful you uploaded this, but please delete it now, right? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, to see it, you have to buy it. So I'm like, oh, hopefully not as many people buy that one. <laughs> they're, and then they're they're like, they tag like WWE Bron- Bronson Reed. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, of course, <laughs> always to try and get the buys. But yeah, it it's not not that it's a, it's not a bad match. Like I watch it. Sure. It's just obviously seeing myself back. I cringe a little at like things that I did. Okay, so when did you start to feel comfortable or at least feel confident that you like you were starting to, you know, feel comfortable here? I think I honestly I started feeling comfortable once I'd done a few Japan tours. I think I started finding myself sort of knowing exactly what works for me. Um, but then as years go on, like I, I wasn't always like now I'm 340 pounds. I'm a big dude. I wasn't always that big dude when I started. I was still big. I was still 270 when I started. But as I got progressed in the years, I obviously changed my style the bigger I got, but still trying to keep it exciting. So mm-hmm. I think uh, I was most comfortable after my Japan tours. But then coming to WWE, you feel uncomfortable again. You yeah. have to build yourself back up. Um, so it's always one of those things like you feel uncomfortable in certain times, but then you get comfortable again. But I feel like being uncomfortable is a good thing because I feel like when I did get comfortable, uh, say in this past NXT run, you get a little content and almost do things paint by numbers. Now being thrown in, thrown out back into the indies and doing stuff with New Japan and Impact, I've really tried to hone in on what I do and, and push the barriers a little bit more so that I get noticed no matter what. That's great. Yeah. Um. So when you go to noah so you actually join the dojo right you're not just doing tours you you actually are like you're like living and training in the in the dojo yeah yeah so i yeah i lived in the dojo um non-tour days when we went on the road wrestling we would Mm -hmm. train at the dojo as well which means you'd wake up at about 9 a.m from memory uh get in the dojo for 9 30 stretch out and then it'd be straight into sit-ups push-ups squats all different training and then uh depending they would they would train like the young boys um and when i first got there i would train alongside them but then as i progressed and did more tours i would help train those young boys as well which was a great experience and then it would be lifting weights after that so it was a big big uh first five hours of your day so when you were living there and training there, what was also like cooking and cleaning for the older wrestlers? Was that a part of it? <laughs> yeah, it was. And to begin with, like you have to like clean all the like dojo that we stayed in. And the young boys would make uh, a thing called chunko every day, which is like a, it's almost like a soup to, to a degree. It's, sumos would eat it as well. Yeah, It's full of meat and cabbage. And it's just actually I love it. I still make it here at home like nice. now to this day. Um, but I learned those things, but I was lucky enough 
uh, on my second week I was there, uh, Naomichi Marafuji, who was like the head booker at the yeah. time and like running things in Noah. Big name in Noah, got, yeah. Yeah, he, he got to see me work. He got to see me wrestle. And he, he said to me, you're not a young boy. You don't have to do those things. So I was very, I was very like, okay. happy. And I was like, okay, I can just focus on the wrestling. I still had to train. I still had to go down and do all the training, but I didn't have to be, you know, at ringside helping everyone get their gear or packing the bags into the truck or anything like that. But it's the best because you still have that week where you can brag that you got the hard knocks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah. I got a little little sliver of it. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. So, um, when uh, tell me a little bit. We don't have to go too much into the WWE stuff, but I'm just curious mm-hmm. about, like, uh, you know, when when did you get on their radar and, like, how was the process of, like, coming over to the United States to, to sign right. with NXT and everything? That must have been a pretty cool experience. Yeah, yeah, it was very cool. I was, it was a very drawn out experience, to be honest. Like mm. I, I first got on the WWE radar in 2014. Mm-hmm. We did a tryout in Australia. That's when uh, the inspiration, Jess and Cass, that's when oh, they yeah. first got signed. Um, so I was lucky enough. I did a tryout with them, but also they came to a local show in Adelaide, in that skating rink that I was talking about earlier yeah. and actually watched one of the shows live. And uh, I was main event with a guy called Damian Slater who did the Cruiserweight Classic. Cool. And uh, they they loved it. They said yeah. it was great. But I think I was still very, like, the the way that uh, the scouting works with WWE changes every few years. Yep. So yep. at the time, they were like, you were young, keep doing more. And then when you've done more, made more of a name for yourself, would look at signing you, basically. Um, now it seems like they'll sign someone that's 21 as long as they, <laughs> they yeah. think they, they can make them into something. Totally. Uh, so I, I continued to do that. And then I ended up doing another tryout a few years later. And they're like, yep, we think you're ready to sign. Um, but then actually signing me took like a year or so. And all the process to get visa, everything took a long time. So, yeah. uh, but I ended up getting there. What What are a few of your favorite moments from your time with NXT and WWE? Uh, 100% my favorite moment was when I got to win the North American championship. Yeah. Um, one, it was like, obviously a goal of mine to win a championship in WWE, mm-hmm. but two, like the experience of it all, having a uh, Hunter and Sean believe in me, making me a champion. But then at the same time, once I had won, they, uh, told my wife to get in the ring. So it was yeah. like a Solid. really cool thing. Yeah. Getting to stand there with my wife, who's someone that's, I've been with since I was a teenager. So she's, she's seen my whole wrestling journey. Yeah. You know, she's been with me when I was doing nothing, <laughs> a bit of an indie bum in Australia and then yeah. Japan and getting to break through in the Indies all the way up into NXT. So it was a really cool moment for me. Awesome, man. So, you know, looking back on that, all that, all those years there and, and all that whole experience, um, what are a couple of the positive, um, like kind of maybe, lessons or or things Mm -hmm. you learned from from your time there Uh, i think the biggest thing is just learning how i should work as as who i am now as jonah i think uh when i first got there i thought i had figured it all out (laughs) and i I knew exactly what to do and getting to be in there with coaches like sean michaels or scotty tahati or even someone like a norman smiley who's such a wrestling genius but people don't realize yeah. You pick up little bits from every coach that you get to be with. That's awesome. Um, and then 
I think like it pretty much makes you into a bit of a full package of what you, you just know exactly how you work in the ring. And um, Sean definitely is that finishing coach that can push you to the next level to make you like a main event sort of guy. That's man. That's, that's gotta be like, like you're, you, you've got that like extra level of training and now you can go out to the world in, in new Japan and impact and defy and you yeah. can just you can take this like high level of training and then in ring experience and you can just show the world and then probably bring up uh the 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 wrestlers that you're wrestling to to another level too. Yeah, hundred percent. I always try to uh, whenever my goal is always to have a great wrestling match. You know, I, different people have different goals. Some people want to get themselves over a bit more, or yeah. they they think of different things. But my goal is always to have a great wrestling match. So that involves both people in yeah. the match and always trying to make it a little bit different to what's on the show. I think that's a big thing as well. Um, the independent shows sometimes go a little bit in waves as well, where you see the same sort of pattern of matches happening every single show. And I know for me, my attraction is that I am the 345 pound guy that can go in there and have a pretty good slug fest or can go to a degree. So I want to make that the focus of the match, you know, whether I'm working someone that's smaller or bigger, just so it's different to everything else on the show. Awesome, man. Well, so uh, with uh, WWE, um, things ended with at NXT and WWE. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Yes. It's hard to probably get back to Australia, but were, <laughs> yeah. were you, were, did you ever think like, I want to go back home or did you just, did you always know you <clears throat> wanted to stay in the States? Um, I knew that I had a lot more to do. Like I, I thought, uh, when I was released by WWE, I've, I've said this before, I wasn't upset. I was, I was angry. You know, I thought I had a lot more that I could have done with WWE on like Aurora SmackDown. And that's where I was set to go. And then out of nowhere, I get released. So (laughs) it was, it never crossed my mind to go back to Australia. Like, obviously I want to visit family and stuff like that. But I know if I want to keep progressing as a professional wrestler and and keep doing things, I have to stay here in the States. Um, and obviously Japan, when that's available, yeah. I'm going to be doing that as well. But based in the States. Yeah. But based in the States, yeah. So, And I'd already, you know, we have our house here and my mm-hmm. wife's here. We have pets that we had brought all the way from Australia to America. Yeah. And we have a third, like we have cats and we ended up adopting another cat. So I couldn't picture myself trying to uproot that all again and go back to Australia. Um, Not right now, maybe in the future when I've, you know, done some things I want to tick off my bucket list. Maybe I'll end up back in Australia, but for right now, I feel like America is the place to be. So when, what WWE, um, you know, I I got to talk with the Bollywood boys and um, they're, they're uh, defy tag team champions right now. Yes. And I know that, uh, you know, I follow both you on Twitter. I follow the inspiration on Twitter and all three, all groups of people have to get visas to wrestle in the States after, you know, being done with WWE NXT being let go. Was, how long of a process was that to, to get uh, a visa to wrestle in the States? And did you have to, <clears throat> it, you know, I, may, I might be kind of ignorant to this, but um, do, you, do you have to have like a, like an official sponsor for that or? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's the hardest thing for anyone that's an international when they get released. And I think a lot of people don't realize is that you're really put on the spot to try and get something. You only have 60 days Mm. to get a visa or they 60 days. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Or they can kick you out of the country basically. Yeah. 
And uh, with the way that wrestling works as well, like I, I love wrestling and the company that I'm in, but sometimes things take time or people am and are about things, things change, schedules change. So it can be hard to lock something down that quickly. Um, I was lucky Especially enough. Especially with a that, 90 day no compete kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, with NXT, I had 30 days. Oh, okay. Okay. So I had 30 say. days. And then once that 30 days was up, you have to, yeah, try and get that visa. <laughs> Um, and I think that's the hardest thing that WWE does is they sort of wash their hands of you a little bit as soon as you're released. And it's like, you know, they could maybe let people's visa run out until it actually runs out. You know what I mean? Mine was still scheduled until 2023, I think, with WWE. But as soon as you're released, that's they cut it off, basically, um, which makes it hard when you do pay rent and have a car that you pay and stuff like that. Uh, but I was lucky enough. I, I'd been in contact with a lot of the major promotions like AEW, Impact, New Japan. And when it was time to try and get a visa sorted, the ones that came to my rescue, I guess, first were New Japan Pro Wrestling. So they're the ones that actually helped me secure my visa for America, which I'm very happy with for. So it worked out in the end. <laughs> they came to your rescue when you were a nerdy wrestling fan and needed the needed the Japanese wrestling. <laughs> And then yeah, they exactly. Your, they came to your rescue when you're an adult and you need a visa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things like I remember uh, before getting released, you know, I, I'm very big on pro wrestling, like that that side yeah. of things. And I had heard that WWE might be going in a different direction and being a little bit more entertainment based especially i always felt nxt the black and gold brand was very much a wrestling based brand and oh yeah if you were gonna watch wwe and you didn't want to see more sports entertainment you could watch tuesday and see wrestling yep um when i heard that was changing i remember saying to my wife maybe if it goes a little bit down this road i'd like to maybe leave and do something like a new japan pro wrestling so it was already in my mind obviously i didn't want to be released but sure. when it when i did that's the first thing that sort of popped into my head is yeah i want to okay. pursue that again so it sort of worked out in in the in the long run uh and now luckily it took a while i've i was in there for a few years but i actually have my green card for the usa so that's amazing i'm set here for the next 10 years or so that's awesome man yeah. and i bet your cats are happy yes very happy what are your cats <laughs> names uh, I have three cats. I have pumpkin, awesome pepper, and Petey. Pumpkin, pepper, and Petey. P P P. O P's. Yeah. Nice. Petey. Does Petey? Does he do the Canadian destroyer like Petey Williams? No. So, funnily enough, so we had pumpkin and pepper, who are girl cats, and then we had uh, this stray cat who was a tiny little kitten show up on our doorstep. Yeah. And I don't know if she knew we were cat people or something, but she showed up. So we fed her and then she kept showing up every day. And I was like, I can't let this cat stay in the streets. So we went and got her all her shots and everything, adopted her. Uh, and we thought, we just being ignorant, thought she was a boy. Yeah. So my wife called her Petey after the rapper Petey Pablo. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then it turns out she's a girl. So we're just like, ah, we'll keep her as Petey though. It's Petey's, fine. That's a gender neutral name, I guess. Yeah. Enough. You yeah. Know, it's like, also, it's a cat. So who cares? <laughs> my roommate's cat's name is Gary. So, you know, it's kind of Gary. a great name for a cat. <laughs> that's a great name. Yeah, it's a good name for a cat. Um, awesome, man. Okay. Well, you know, I'm not going to take up too much of your time, but, uh, it sounds like you're really enjoying your your time with Impact and New Japan. Yes. And that's awesome, man. So 
Uh, I just got to ask as far as like, doesn't even have to be wrestling, but it personally, like it could be wrestling. It could be cats, anything in your opinion, what has been the best thing that has happened to you in 2022 so far? The best thing in 2022, I think it's uh, so 2022. I feel like this year, the best thing has been the support that I've got from the wrestling community. Um, so obviously when I got released last year, I didn't really know what I was going to do or where I was going to go. Uh, but I've had so many great people within the different companies, Impact, New Japan, wrestlers, bookers, agents, really been high on me and, and, and you know, continue to support me. And the same goes for the fans as well. You know, when something like that happens, you don't know how the fans are going to react, if they're going to stay with you. And I have a lot of loyal fans that were big fans in NXT that have still continued to be fans of me throughout my impact and new Japan journey now and on the indies as well. And getting to meet a lot of these fans at indie shows is great as well. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I'm glad, you know, sounds like you landed on your feet and, and you've had a lot of people to hold you up, man. So yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. I feel like sometimes people can take those fans for granted in the, you know, with the wrestling community, yeah. but without them, we're not wrestlers, are we? <laughs> And we'd love to see you back in Defy. You know, we we call ourselves yeah. the, def, the 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 sorry the Defiance is the, our name. So the Defiance yes. would love to see you back. We would embrace another Jonah match, no matter who it is against. Um, but you know, in the meantime, what's the best way to support you? Uh, you can uh, support me. You can go onto like my uh, Instagram or Twitter and. That's at Jonah is here. I do have a pro wrestling tea shop, mm-hmm. um, but. As we speak, I'm working on a big cartel, cool. which should be up next week, which will have eight by tens and T-shirts and some stuff like that. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time, dude. Uh, thank you. No, I'm happy to do it. Awesome. Jonah, thank you so much, man. I feel like that was uh, that was really fun. I, you're like super <laughs> easy to talk to, man. It's, it's Yeah, awesome. I'm glad. That's what awesome. I try to do. You know, I think some people... Uh, can be a little reserved, but I'm happy for anyone to ask me anything about wrestling because I am such a big wrestling fan. So it's easy to talk about wrestling. I could tell, man. That's great, dude. Well, uh, this is going to be going up in a couple of weeks. I have yep. the Adam Brooks one dropping next week and uh, I'll just tag you. It's behind a paywall with their Patreon, but I'll, yep. I'll, I'll um, at least have an image to promote it and stuff and I'll send it to you and, and tag you and whatnot. So, okay, perfect. Yeah. I'll share it and everything like that once it's ready to go. Awesome. Jonah, have a good night, man. You too. Nice to speak to you. Yep. Talk to you soon. Bye.